0: are you ready to make your confession tonight isn't it good where the spirit of the lord is there is liberty amen there's freedom thank god for jesus let's say this i am here on purpose because i have a purpose my heart is open My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me, and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Turn your neighbor and say, what a blessing, what a blessing, and you can be seated. Hallelujah. Well, um, today I thought we were going to finish this evening, the last of faith, but then, you know, you should ask God before you make a statement. (laughs) so next week will be the last uh wednesday night and the message next week is faith to finish strong you know god the important thing is not just that you start but you finish and so that's what we're going to talk about next week jesus finished strong and uh, next week will be uh communion on wednesday night if you'd like to be water baptized uh, there's a sign-up sheet in the back if you'd like to be water baptized next Wednesday night, and then uh, we'll have this message on finishing strong by faith. Everybody say by faith. But tonight we're going to tra- talk talk about n- no limits faith. You know, there's uh, a lot of people who limit themselves, and when they limit themselves, if Jesus lives in them, they have limited God. In what he wants to do through them. And uh, I felt tonight to talk about this because I think oftentimes the things that God shares with us, that he wants us to walk by faith and not by sight, which is the scripture that we've used for this, for this whole teaching on increase your faith. Um, when we walk by faith and not by sight, then, then we're tempted at times to want to let go of how big what God said is. We might be able to, you know, go a little ways, but to begin to walk by faith and begin to speak, believe and speak, the bigness of what God wants to do is sometimes overwhelming. And I know in my life, uh, when I go to the park and pray in the morning and read the Word of God and and I hear things from the Spirit of God, uh, they don't seem that big in the park. But when I get out of the park or get out of that place where I'm taking that time personally with him, sudden, they get, like, bigger and bigger and more insurmountable and more like, I must have dreamed it up. You know, I think it was just me. You Have you ever had the enemy say that to you? You know, you just have this blessed assurance until you get out and start moving again. Sometimes in church, you know, on Sunday mornings or maybe here Wednesday night, your faith will get stirred up and you're excited till you go get in your car or you pick up your kids next door and things haven't gone the way you thought they would or you get in your car and immediately you and your spouse don't see things the same way again that doesn't happen to pastor bill and i we solve that two cars it's the answer to everything two cars and especially when you're you know trying to you know my husband and i all the years that we've been married we have worked together And we've been married, we'll be married 37 years next month. And we have worked together the entire time. Now, that's a 24-7 walk of faith. But, yeah, and we've had our days where, you know, we haven't walked by faith. We've walked by sight and situations and circumstances. But what we've done, we've done together. And we've learned over time that oftentimes he hears things that I haven't heard yet Uh, that concern him specifically. I've heard things that concern me that over time I've learned, you know, there's a time to share what you're walking by faith for. And the limits that, that God puts on things are way more out there than what we do. But when we talk to flesh and blood sometimes... They've not heard what we've heard. They've not seen what we've seen. And they're not ready to really be able to grab hold of that as being the right thing. And we've learned in ministry together. There's things I've heard that concern what goes on here at the church, things he's heard. uh, Whatever he says, ultimately, that's what we do. But by the grace of God, we learned from the very beginning of our marriage that we both hear from God. And that God is not double-minded. And whatever he says for us to do, he'll tell both of us. And until we both know, we don't do it. So then we walk with a stronger faith than we would independently trying to do it by ourselves. So tonight, I, I want to help you with taking the limits off of your faith. Because God God has huge things. He's told me, when, when we first heard about the building down on 52, that God wanted to, to give us that building Uh, that was like seriously you want to do that and then my husband had corey kent make a sign and put it over the sign that was on the building and show it to the congregation if you have that vicky you can put it up the first time i saw that i thought oh that's kind of big faith (laughs) right there and somebody thought we owned it because they were visiting and they saw the sign and thought we had it but that's just my husband's visual of faith. Amen. And, and that, when you see the visual, it helps you expand to the level of vision that God has. But, you know, when you look around this room right now, why, we'd all fit in the bathroom over there. The men and women, we'd fill them all. There wouldn't be, I mean, we wouldn't even need a sanctuary right now. You know, I'm just saying that, you know, there's things that happen as you walk in the walk of faith. You know, we've, we've been all different sizes in this church. We've had all different kinds of people in this church. It doesn't matter about all those things. It's, you cannot take the limit off of what God wants to do. And the minute you take your eyes off of what God is saying and stop walking by faith, you have just put a limit on what God's going to be able to do through you. Amen? So uh, we've talked about unity of faith, breakthrough faith, everyday faith, faith or fear, faith failures we talked about last week. And this week we're going to talk about um, no limits faith, and we're going to start with a mustard seed. Um, let's look at Mark 4, 30, 30, 32 When we first came here, um, I would go down. We, we lived in my parents' home because we didn't have the money to have an apartment because when we moved here, we, we still had a little bit of debt. We were starting a church by faith. And really, if you consulted the dictionary on being a pastor or starting a church, we wouldn't have qualified for either one. But by faith, what God told us to do, we began to do. And Sue found us our first building. My my husband, you've heard him call it the lower level. He couldn't call it a basement. He said we couldn't call it a basement. We had to call it the lower level. It sounded better. It had tiny little windows, and we started with 70 people the first Sunday. Second Sunday, it was like 50. And so we really didn't have a large congregation. We lived in my parents' house, and I'd go down to Happy Hollow. And this scripture Uh, God gave me this scripture, and I don't know, it was to increase my faith. Everybody say increase your faith when we were starting. And it says, then he said, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God, or with what parable shall we picture it? Everybody say picture it. And I'm sitting in Happy Hollow Park and it's the summertime and, you know, there's lots of trees and everything's in full bloom down there at that time of year. It is like a mustard seed, which, when it is sown on the ground, is smaller than all the seeds on earth. But when it is sown, everybody say, when it is sown, it grows up, becomes greater than all herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade and the lord said look at the trees you if you will sow it will grow and it will be a large tree and there will be branches that will hold all the people that will come to rest in that place now that was to increase my faith you know, he told Abraham, go out and look at the sands, you know, look at the stars. Your 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 offspring will be like all the stars in the sky. Well, nobody could measure that. But he gave him a picture. Everybody say a picture. God gives different things to us. But basically, he gives us his word, and then he makes it bigger through the picture. He shows us how big it can be. And so that was a word just at that time for me. Um... If you look at that scripture it says that the mustard seed is smaller than all the seeds of the earth. Now that's pretty small. But when it is sown somebody has to sow. Everybody say somebody has to sow. Has to sow. And it's when it's sown it grows up. See when you sow the word of God in your life it will get bigger and bigger because it's living. It's a living word, and you'll get stronger and stronger, and, and you will increase in your faith. You'll increase in your confidence. You'll increase in your assurance that God is who he says he is. It, you won't increase in maybe your ability to do it, but that's not what the word is. The word is doing this. It's increasing your faith in God to be who he says he is. And that's, that's really what the walk of faith is all about, is seeing God bigger than who you could ever be. You know, in Alcoholics Anonymous, they always look for a higher power. What they're looking for is someone to be bigger than they are that they can count on and take care of them to get them out of the situation they're in. And that's really what we do. By faith, we believe that God is bigger in the situation than what we can see, but we're willing to sow into that thing that God sees. Amen? So as I was looking at this, if you go back in Mark, which is the scripture I gave you here, the, right before this, Mark 4, 13 through 29, is the parable of the sower. And it says in Luke that the, the, the seed is the word. Everybody say, the seed, the seed is the word. Now, you know, Jesus was the incorruptible seed. He he was sown for us. There's a scripture that's... Um, I. It's in uh, John 12. Would you put that one up for me? John 12, 23 through 26. This, this scripture has a special meaning to me in my walk with God because um, it, it applied to Pastor Bill and I. But it says, But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Then it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat, that's like the seed, falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies it produces much grain. When you walk by faith, you die to your own abilities, your own strengths, your uh, what you believe, what you see, and who he is rises up bigger. Years ago, when Pastor Bill and I were, uh, we were in Tulsa, we had just moved there, um, God had really, put it on my heart to, to serve him, and uh, I'm going to share a little bit of the beginning of that tonight, but at this point, uh, Pastor Bill was um, working for Snelling and Snelling, and that's an employment service, and he, he wanted me to work with him, so, of course, I did, and he tried to make me uh, an administrative something there, and I had to pass a test. I was so glad when I got delivered, and I went to work at Victory Christian Center. Uh, it, it happened in July. I had worked for him all the time since we'd been out there in November till July. Went to work at Victory. Do you know what? His business closed, and he ended up Victory with me. God just won't let us be apart. <laughs> Hallelujah! We're just stuck like glue, you know. And so, in in that in that process, um, I I had an opportunity to work for a ministry uh, before I went to Victory. It was just maybe a couple months before that, you know, sometimes the enemy will try to slide something in before it's the right thing, those Ishmaels. And, and so in this case, these people were looking for someone. Pastor Bill encouraged me to do it. And um, they he said, you're called. I'm, I'm called to, to do this, but I can tell you have a calling on your life. So I want you to go uh, work for these people. But they hired me. I was there. I didn't sleep for night after night after I first went there, every night I woke up, couldn't sleep. Uh, one night, I got up about 4 in the morning, and the lady who led me to the Lord here in Lafayette had a friend who worked at Rama. she and her husband. And she said, if you ever get into trouble, you call her. I called her at 4 a.m. Now, that's early. And I did not know her very well. I knew her name. And I called, and she answered the phone, and she said, I have been up for about an hour. And the Lord told me that someone would be calling me. And I have the scripture that you need. Unless the seed falls in the ground and dies, there cannot be a harvest that God wants from that seed. And God said to me, you're the seed that has to be sown for him to be who he's called to be. Now, I want to tell you, I was just relieved at that point that I didn't have to stay awake all night, every night, trying to get this job done. So I told Bill. And when I told Bill, he started to weep. He said, I would have never asked you, but I didn't want you to leave me. I wanted you to be with me. And so I had to go tell this evangelist. Now, in this time, they had one meeting in this week. I worked there and they had me come. And he said, The anointing of this evangelist guy, he said, The anointing of God is on your life. I want you to pray for these people. And so, you know, I, I go, and I begin to pray, and people are falling under the anointing. Bam, 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 bam. And I'm, you know, it kind of shocked me. Uh, you know, because I never I never had that happen before when I prayed for people. But in my heart, I knew it wasn't right. I wasn't supposed to be the one doing that. Are you getting this? And so I ended up leaving that job. He told me, this is not God. And he's. He was a well-known person at that time. But his wife said, I believe it is God. You need to let her go. And I went back to work at Snelling and Snelling. (laughs) It was not a fun place to be. But God rescued me out of there a couple months later and put me where I did belong. And I I wouldn't have been where I was supposed to be, nor would he have been in Bible school. Because when I went to victory the door opened for him to go to Bible school. And that's why we're here today. Amen? See, faith, you can't put a limit on God. You have to be willing to die yourself to whatever it is. And believe me, I did think I was dying to stay at Snelling Snelling. I like to be with Pastor Bill, but he's different when he worked at Snelling and Snelling. He hadn't been to Bible school yet. And he was not a good ball. I mean, he was kind of a driven person trying to make this place go that wasn't going to go anyway because God didn't call him to do it hallelujah I'm just suffering for Jesus and well he was suffering he just didn't know it and so in the end God got it done everybody say God gets it done but see faith is walking by faith is not a head thing and even though I was called I wasn't called then to do that I was called then to be with him and it was quite a ride there for a while but god through that time we both went into a ministry where the couple at the top of the ministry believed that we were called together not separately even though i didn't you know i wasn't the one that was the pastoral i was doing administrative things in that ministry too but whenever they announced us they announced us as Bill and Pam, directors of Victory Bible Institute. I wasn't the director, but I was with him. See, when God has a vision, he will speak it out. And when the word is sown, if you'll stay in faith, it will harvest. It will harvest. There may be a dying in the middle. I think almost everything we've ever done with a walk of faith, we've had to die in the middle really, seriously, felt like we were dying. We didn't die physically, but we, we died to ourself. But that's what it goes on and says in that scripture, that if you're going to follow him, you will have to die to self. And faith, no limit faith, will not happen until there's a dying of self. And the limits expand to the extent of the dying of self. In other words, the things that God asks get bigger the more there's less of you or less of me. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, follow me. Go over to 2 Corinthians 9. And while you're going there, I want to read you from this faith to faith. Um, This is where actually God, I was asking God, what do I call this? And and it came when I was reading this faith to faith thing. I tell you, if you'll just obey God, he'll just speak to you in the middle of whatever he tells you to do. It says, um, this was uh, March 17th, start planting. Uh, It says you won't really get excited about the word of God until you realize realize that it's more than just a collection of divinely inspired promises. It's a living force that literally carries within it the power to make the promises become a reality in your life. And he talks about, you know from experience, and he talks about the seed, but he's talking about a tomato seed. And he says when it's in your hand, it's a tiny dry seed, but within it lies the power to produce a stalk thousands of times bigger than the seed, to produce leaves and roots and round red tomatoes, you wouldn't have any trouble believing that, would you? I mean, how many of you you have seen a tomato plant? and it's? But, he said, you know from experience that even though the scrawny seed doesn't look like a tomato factory, somehow, given the right environment, it will become one. There's a miraculous power within it. The word is the seed, and within it is miraculous power. That means not natural power. That means supernatural power. It's going to have something that God has a hold of, that once planted by faith in the human heart will produce more blessings than you can imagine. He says, I knew it would blow the limits off my life, you know, if he could just receive what God was saying. I think we hear what God's saying, but there's a difference between hearing and receiving. There's a difference between, you know, like, yeah, I read that, and then, oh, yeah, I get that. It's mine. It's it's in me, and it begins to grow. Limits that had held me back and kept me down for years. Don't treat the word of God like a book. It's not. It's spiritual seed that has the supernatural power within it to produce a harvest for a lifetime. Get excited about it and start planting today. Well, in 2 Corinthians, uh, this scripture is special to Pastor Bill and I because when we started the church, this is, there were two scriptures God gave us, and this was one of them. It was uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And it says, um, God is able to make all grace abound towards you so that you always having enough, enough, everybody say enough, of everything may abound to every good work. Well, I want to go now on down now to verse 9 or 10. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower, everybody say, that's my, that's my word. He supplies seed to the sower. Okay? We sow then, but it says he supplies seed to the sower and supplies bread for your food will also multiply your seed sewn. Everybody say sewn. See, you have to sew it before it's going to multiply. Amen. Uh, most times, this is applied to money, giving you money. And a, a lot of people die when the offering goes by, especially if God's told them to put something in there they weren't ready. You know, I mean, it's like, uh, but if you do it, he who gave you that seed to start out with, by the way, it wasn't your employer. It wasn't your inheritance. It was God. So if he gives it to you and you sow it, not until you sow it and die does it multiply and come back. That's really what tithing is all about. When you love God, you die to self. And, and so in that sowing, there's a reaping. It's that way with any word God gives you. That he says about you, you you will go through a process of dying. Once you've sown that seed, it's just the way it works. But God said, as long as there's, as long as the earth remains, there'll be seed time and harvest. So every time there's going to be a harvest if there's a seed sown. Amen. It may be just a little bit, or it may be a big amount whatever it is, there will be a harvest. Because it goes on and it says, um, we'll multiply the seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So you will be enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which makes us give thanks to God. But it's, it's not only you that will receive, but somebody else is going to receive. So it just doesn't multiply and enrich your life, but someone else is going to benefit from that sowing. For the administration of this service, what? Sowing. The service not only supplies the need of the saints, but is abundant. Everybody say abundant. I don't think we any of us get what abundance is. Abundance is El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. Why? Because he wants to sow it so there can be a multiplication of it, so more people can receive what he has to offer. Amen? And so it says, this administration this, of this service of sowing not only supplies the need of the saints, but is abundant also through many thanksgivings to God. Meanwhile, through the performance of this ministry, in other words, doing it, they glorify God for the profession of your faith. In other words, it's going to show you have faith if you sow into what God's telling you to sow. You're going to look like one of those weird faith people. But say, that's okay. That's okay. When they get sick or they have a need, guess whose number they're going to dial up? That would be yours. They glorify God for the profession of your faith in the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and with all others. And in their prayer for you, they long for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you thanks be to god for his indescribable gift what is that grace everybody say grace grace and more grace it all works together faith works by love and that's the love of god not ours and that love has been shed abroad in our hearts and in each one of us we have a little bit of faith what we do with it is our choice but god doesn't want there to be limits because there's so many big things to do. When my husband and I were with Mr. Sachs in that a place in Florida, and uh, I'm looking out there, you know, at the ocean, and, and uh, talking to this man who's, I don't know, probably a billion. I don't know what he is. Lots of dollars. <laughs> he has lots of dollars. But, you know, he's just a man, you know, that God used to bless for such a time as this. And he just wants to give it to people who have needs. But I'm thinking, how did we get here? How did we end up here? Uh, you know, it, only God could have done that. But but this is this is the key. And I want you to turn to First to Timothy 2. And I'm just going to share some stories because a long time ago, God said to me, just tell the stories of Jesus. You know, there's an old hymn that says, Tell me the stories of Jesus. I love to hear. Well, you know, it's important that you hear stories about Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who saved you. Jesus is the only one who can deliver you. And he's the only one who can heal you. And so you can hear a, hear a lot of good sermons. But if you don't go away knowing that Jesus is the answer, <laughs> then you've just heard a good story or a good message. But but you've got to have Jesus. You've got to have Jesus. And uh, so, uh, you know, this, this particular scriptures was Paul speaking to Timothy. And, uh, you know, you can find God working in your life in any scripture of the Bible uh, through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will reveal things to you through the word of God because he wants to sow into you that word that will bring life to you. But in 1 Timothy, um, you know, Paul's talking about in the beginning about how God you know is using him but it's it's just because it says I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me everybody say by grace because he counted me faithful and pointed me to the ministry you know that that was Paul's whole deal was you know except by the grace of God I wouldn't even be here but so he's talking to Timothy and he's trying to help Timothy because he doesn't want Timothy to fail And he's the next generation, you know. And so, he's wanting to let him now know how great God is. But, you know, Paul himself said, I fought the good fight of faith. Faith is a fight. No limits faith is a big fight. Because you are going to swim upstream. And the current will be strong at times. But this is what he said. This command I commit to you, my son Timothy, according to the prophecies. Everybody say prophecies. According to the prophecies that were previously given to you, that by them you might fight a good fight, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. So in this fight of faith, you know, we have to go back to the prophecies. Now, you know, there's, there's different ways prophecies come, and I'm not talking about when you prophesy in church, one of the, the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. To prophesy in church is an exhortation gift that encourages people, all people, but a, a prophetic word to somebody, a word that is a word from God that's saying something about their life that's in the future, Everybody say in the future or a situation that's in the future. He's saying to Timothy, there have been things spoken over you that tell you who you're going to be and you have to go back to those prophecies to fight the good fight of faith. No limit faith is not going to be you did it. It's going to be God did it just like he said he'd do it because you believed it and you walked by faith. Not because when you get all done, you're going to get a bunch of, you know, trophies and things pinned on you. Like my sister said, I was so discouraged when I found out I'd get a crown in heaven, but I got to go put it at Jesus' feet. I'm not going to get to wear it. Doesn't that sound like Pastor Chris? (laughs) I cracked up when she said that to me. I said, okay, well, we'll just get you a crown down here. You can run around with it till you get there. But... (laughs) You know, you've got to go back to prophecies that God spoke over you. And I'm just going to give you three or four that have happened to me because I don't know your story. But it says we overcome the, the devil by the blood of the lamb, which was totally free, given to us. And our testimony, what is that? About what God has done for us. But it's our testimony that we got by faith. You wouldn't even be saved if you didn't get that by faith. Because you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, and that's by faith. And so everything roots back to faith. Well, I went today, and I got in my drawer, and I got out some of my oldies that wrote down, people wrote down. This is right when I got saved. I was a complete basket case, hysterical. And there were two ladies there, Diane Hughes, who led me to the Lord, and this older lady that was there, her name was Martha. And she would intercede and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. And then she would speak the interpretation of that word. Came from the heart of God. It wasn't out of this Logos word. It was a rhema word. And this was by Martha in 123 I got saved on the 22nd. I got filled with the Holy Ghost on the 23rd, 1976. And she says, freedom is here for you this day, my child, if you open your heart completely and wholly. Do not be afraid. I was the most fearful person you could meet. Horrified, scared to death. Because I was by myself with three kids. I'd made horrible messes. Probably none of you have ever done this. It probably won't apply to you. I am here ready to deliver you from all your fears. You must give yourself over completely. You must be as putty in my hands. Then I will give you the love you need for the people who work with you. But I must have all of you my child not just a portion consider the cost do you really want to be want me to be the lord of your life completely it does not come cheaply there is a price to pay the rewards are so wonderful the choice is yours freedom from fear and peace with me she wrote it all down for me there's more but everything they wrote and and she said the things that god wants to do in your life there will be a price Well, right then, I'm thinking, I'm already dying. What can get worse? You know, I mean, pay a price. I'm already in a mess. But, you know, I didn't realize what all that would mean over the years. I didn't realize what that price would be. If you read the rest of the scripture about the wheat falling in the ground, it says consider the cost before you start building the building. When you want to walk in no-limit faith, you're... Your whole being has to be committed to Jesus. You can't, like, keep a part of it for yourself. You have to give it all. Everybody say, give it all. And I go back and read these words sometimes because this is where I started. Like Timothy, the prophecies that have been spoken over your life, things that on that day I got filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and started praying in tongues, didn't even know what happened to me to change my life forever. I went from religion to relationship, and Jesus became so real to me. But it happened because people gave a prophecy. They began to speak over my life. You know, we're all called to operate in those gifts. That's not just for the pulpit ministry. The gifts of the Spirit are for the body of Christ. So that word. Um, Then um, when, when I met my husband... Well, before I met my husband, I got this word. See, and I'm I'm in a I'm in a um, Methodist church. In the Methodist church, there's no praise and worship. It's I was the church organist for a while, but then I became the choir director for all the choirs. And you know, choir directing is wonderful because you don't have to look at you guys. (laughs) And everybody up here likes you, unless they've gotten ticked off because you didn't give them a solo or something. But anyway so you know you direct it's different than looking out here at all y'all and so i didn't know anything about that and uh i'd gotten saved got filled with the holy ghost and i'm in the methodist church and it's not a real good thing to be that in the (laughs) methodist church but, but at least back then so um i i was asked by this other lady do you want to do this hallelujah by uh, Gaithers it was years ago this is a long time ago and um, it was like in 76 77 I was hadn't been saved very long and so eight churches came together and we did this cantata and I was a choir director and she was the choir director and we did it at different churches Um, and so at first assembly um, I had started sneaking out there on Wednesday nights (laughs) (laughs) with Diane Hughes and you know, in that environment, uh, they had uh, this this older gentleman, Joe, was that his name? They used to get up. Oh, victory in Jesus! Yep. Yeah. And uh, they would sing, and the organ would go, and the it was like it was like you went to a dance or something. I mean, it was like really uplifting and everything. And then I'd go back to the Methodist church, turn around. But on the inside of me, something was different. It started, like, burning on the inside of me. It was like, you know, like this fire that's got to get out of me that doesn't know where to go. And so I'm directing this choir, and uh, it, it just is intensifying. I get to First Assembly, and uh, I, at the time, because I was so new in the Lord, I was reading a book by Catherine Kuhlman. And, uh, you know, she did miraculous. I mean, she'd worship. And she'd be over there just worshiping God, and then the Holy Spirit would start to move across the people. And she had this funny dress. She always was in things that were real flowy, you know. Well, I, I went downtown. I was going to look for me a dress to wear to direct in. And I went in the old lobes downtown. Now, I promise you these are true stories. They are true stories of faith because at this time I was in a horrible mess and, and I had made bad decisions, but I felt like God gave me this job to do this cantata, and when I do it, that fire, it was like it would come out, but then when I went this way, at the other church, there was no fire. I mean, it was exploding, but I couldn't get it out, but when I direct that hallelujah, there was something that would happen, and so I, I saw this dress. It was $70, I thought, dear God, I can't spend $70 on a dress. So I I was going up the valley road, they call it. It's 10th Street. goes up and goes around. If any of you know where that is, I was on that valley road, and I heard the same thing she did, you'll do. You can have the dress. I thought, seriously? That has to be God because I'm a screwed up mess. Why would anybody? (laughs) I mean, the devil wouldn't tell me to go do that. So... I rushed down there to buy the dress. There was a crack in the ticket. The dress was $270. Now I have a decision. Did God tell me that? Because I could go get that out of my savings account and buy that dress. Well, here's this dress. I keep it forever. Because it says... On this day, I told you on Valley Street that one day you will do what she did. And here's your little dress. Can't get in it now. (laughs) But I love to look at it. Hallelujah. When you all are mean to me, I just get this dress right out and look (laughs) at it and say, (laughs) just kidding. But, you know, there are times where people don't like me, you know, or I get discouraged. But if I think about that dress... I know what I heard. I know what I heard. You want to hear something even bigger than that? To do with that? We go to work at Victory Christian Center and the maintenance guy comes one day and says, Hey Pam, we have a huge white couch. He said, You know, it belonged to Catherine Kuhlman. Do you want it? I said, Yeah, I'll bring that right on over to my house. (laughs) sue can attest to it she slept on it she read the name inside katherine kuhlman lived in an upstairs apartment in tink wilkerson's car dealership where we had victory christian center he put her up there when she would come to minister in tulsa and he made that room for the prophet and that's where she slept and that's where she lived this was her couch it was in our house i think that's how we got through it Bible school, I mean, and all that we went through those first years of ministry. Why? Because God had a bigger plan than we could see. Did our kids do crazy things during that time? Yes. Not going to give you the details, but you might want to get the dress out. (laughs) Sleep with it and tell yourself it's real, it's real, it's real. I know, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this because God is that real. People, he is that real. That real. I left and went to Tulsa in 79. I was by myself. I've been divorced twice. I have three kids. Don't still don't know what I'm doing, but I got my dress. And, and God speaks to me in August of that year, and this is what he says. This one's pretty worn out because I didn't have Bill yet. I was pretty soon. I was g- thinking God's never going to give me somebody. I must really be still messing up pretty good. But then he sent me Bill, but this is what it says. Why is it my child that you are fearful, anxious, or worried? Have I not provided and protected you at all times? I have placed a torch in your hand in that many shall see and shall know that I sent you to minister the word to them as well as sing for me. You shall speak the word as well into the uttermost parts of the world. Listen, I was lucky to get to the grocery store without getting in a nervous fit. The pathway to why is wide so that you need not worry about getting off. How I love you and watch over you and your children. My love is overwhelmingly poured out upon you. In parentheses, if only I could f- receive it, my words. It shall come, and you shall take it to others, and they will see and feel my love for you. That's August of 1979. Three years after I got saved. And then he said, You will be married again. And this is what he said, Rest now and prepare to become a wife and a mother. Didn't happen for another year and a half. I have called you to be to. I have called you to be to me, for he shall be like me. Don't get the big head when I read this. <laughs> <laughs> i know and water got on it but i can th- so, uh, uh, see except he will be flesh, capable of error but full of love for you and the children and you will love him as i love you but be not concerned for i have already put it in you it shall begin to manifest when it's time and you shall be full to overflowing I see your faults. Isn't it good to know that God sees where you screw up? But I shall change them. Give them to me. Do what you can. But I will complete the work I began. A year and a half later, he gave me my knight in shining armor over there, which he always liked me to speak about when I would go to share and he'd go with me. Don't forget to tell him about me. (laughs) But, you know, all of that, all of that, see these little things, these little papers, and then my dress, and then this word, and then there's go start a church. Now listen, I need all these things then, and a few more, to be able to leave where we were with total provision, still in debt, and have God say, now go back to where you know you were, and, and, and especially with Pastor Bill, because he had done some things around here people knew about. Uh, My conscience has already been cleared. I've been back and gone again. So, you know, God has taken care of me, but now i got to walk his out. And so, you know, we're out of debt just about on the IRS chasing us. And so we come back here to start this church, and this is what God said. Isaiah 32, 18, I, I have this paper. Build for me a peaceable habitation, a place where my people will be comforted, where their wounds will heal, and they can become whole strong soldiers fit for the battle. Teach them my love, show them my compassions, they fail not. Feed those who hunger and thirst after me so that they may seek others to feed. A place of rest, a fortress of safety, where my presence is made manifest at all times to meet their needs. The world is cruel and is trying to devour my baby sheep. Build a safe nesting place. Remember the tree after I got here? The nesting place for my babies so they can grow up strong knowing me and my love. A peaceable habitation full of love, mercy, compassion, and grace. Set the captives free. Speak the truth in love. Be firm, but gentle. Sheep need firmness, but gentleness also. Feed my sheep, lead my sheep, protect my sheep. I will supply all of your needs to do this for me. Go forth in power and revelation, wisdom, and knowledge. Remember, a peaceful habitation to feed, to lead, and to protect. That was in March of eighty-four. And we came back in 89, five years later. We walked a lot of things in that five years to have the faith to go do this. See, God is a God that's a process, but if you will not limit him, he will do what he says. Along the way, he will give you these things that say, I'm, I'm still here. I'm still doing it. Did you, did you remember this? Did you remember that? When the children of Israel crossed over into the promised land, God said, build, put stones to remember what I did, what I have done. Because we know that first group that came out of Egypt, you know, they were just all the time complaining about why they weren't back in Egypt. If, if you're going to go with God into no limit faith, you've got to have those stones that you can look back at and say, I'm, on, I'm, I'm going the right direction. I can't see there, but I can see this. And so I can keep on going with God. Um, in, in Ephesians 3, this, this was the, the thing that God did for me that gave me so much confidence in my walk, and it's Ephesians 3.20. It says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think, And this was the part that caught my attention, according to the power that works in us. Everything we need to do what God has called us to do is already in us. It's a seed. It's a seed. But how do we sow it? Well, whatever God has said, we have to begin to believe and speak what God says. And we're sowing it. We're sowing it. Every time we speak it, we're sowing it. And when we sow, it will harvest, and it will harvest abundantly. In our lives, I don't know what God has spoken to to all of you who are here tonight, but I do know this. Um, You have the authority and the dominion that Jesus accomplished for you on the cross. And the one thing in the book of Acts in chapter four, verse seven, uh, when Peter had missed it and, you know, then gotten it right, that this was their question. When they had set them in the midst, they said, by what power or by what name have you done this? They were talking about the healing of the man at the gate beautiful. So what they were saying is, how are you guys doing this? Well, if you go back in the Gospels, you will find they asked Jesus the same thing. (laughs) What authority or who gave you this authority to do what you're doing. He said to them, well, who was John the Baptist? You know, he got, he sometimes asked questions to answer questions and they got so confused. He said, well, you can't tell me and I won't tell you either, but it was different. Everybody say it was different. No limits faith is different and people know it because there's authority that's with it. You know, I, I'm, I'm, you may not know what I'm talking about, but I know what I'm talking about. That is no limit faith. When you know what you're talking about and somebody else may not know what you're talking about, but you know what God said. And then that has no limit because that says you believe God more than you believe anything else. Even your own silliness that sometimes starts talking to you in the night. To get where you're going, which we're going to talk about next week, to end in victory, to finish strong, there has to be this process. Let's stand. Father, I thank you tonight for everybody here. I thank you for the word of God that's gone in him. I could go on and on. I just, tonight I was, I, you know, I thought that is so silly, God. Do I have to bring my dress? And I got in my car and, and I'd forgotten all about it again. He got, I heard, go get the dress. I thought, boy, I don't know what it is, but you want me to have that dress. I don't know what that's to say to somebody here tonight. But whatever you have, wherever you are right now, that is in you, that you know God gave you, you need to get that in front of you immediately, or you're going to fall. Now, you'll get back up. Though I fall, I shall arise. But if you don't keep that, it will get really tough in no limit faith. What did Jesus say in the garden? If it be your will... I'll do it. But if there's any way, and that was the son of God, no limit. Faith takes you to a point where you're ready to say, is there another way to do this? I have been there. I have been there and I've watched more than one seed die to see what God's going to do. But I'm telling you, I will never back up. I will not back up because I have my dress. And I have my words. They're all here. I even got a picture on my wall in my office. Arise, shine, for the glory of God is risen. And it shows a woman with her with her sword and everything. I'm telling you, that's what it's going to take. But if you get that, you will make it. And so will the people. Remember, all those people that when you sow the seed, they end up giving thanksgiving to God. Why? Because you can get them out of where they're at, too. It's not all about us. It's about all the harvest that God wants to have. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you tonight for every person here. I thank you that you see them, you know them. It says you know them. You know them. You know right where they are tonight. <clears throat> I want you to just uh, take them off. You're here and you've never received Jesus. Uh, th- that incorruptible seed is not in you to produce what God wants to do in your life. You you will have to have Jesus. You will have to have him. And his Holy Spirit will live in you and cause you to conquer and become an overcomer and all those things that are promised in the word of God but until you have Jesus you're no match for the devil he will destroy your life and if that's you and you're here tonight and you say well I've never really liked that note to me that God gave me in the very beginning will you give yourself completely to me will you let me be everything if that's you tonight and you say well I know who Jesus is but I've never really given my life to him I've never said come in and take over my life. If that's you, would you lift your hand? I want to pray for you. Anybody? Okay. Who are you here tonight that you you know what God has said? Whatever it is, wherever you are in your walk, you may be at the beginning, in the middle of something, uh, really close to the end, but you know tonight that this word is for you, that you know, yeah, let's lift our hand if that's you. I know it's for me. I, it's, it's for me when I many times, but in Jesus' name, I pray tonight for a courage to rise up on the inside of you that will take hold of that promise that God has made to you and, and will not let go. Will not let go. Nobody, nobody can steal this from you. It's, it can only be taken if you let it go. Because the word of God goes into your heart. That's good ground. That is good ground. Now, all those other things that the parable says, you know, where the cares of the world get in and choke it. That doesn't matter. You you are good ground. God loves you. And he has sown that word in you. And it's a word you are going to have to hold on to no matter who's looking at you funny. No matter who's saying something different. No matter what the circumstance is saying to you. You cannot let go you have to stand on that word and tonight father I thank you for courage that's the word that God gave me at one of the hardest times of my life and I feel to pray that for you tonight he said to Joshua be strong and of good courage I pray for courage to rise up on the inside of you some of you have been pushed backward and you feel like you're one step forward but you're going back too. it's going to go the other way you're going to start going two steps forward. And even though you might shrink back a little, you're going to press through and go those other two steps. Would you if you don't have your hand raised, open your eyes and put your hand on somebody that does have their hand raised and by faith tonight, let's believe with them that that thing that is that that thing that they're going after that God has promised in Jesus name, they are going to achieve it. They're going to they're going to see it so great by the eye of faith. That they're not gonna they're not gonna even have a thought to let go of it. They're not even gonna be tempted to let it go in Jesus' name. They're gonna grab hold in the name of Jesus. If you pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in the Holy Ghost. Ba Father, we thank you tonight that greater is he that's in these that have raised their hand than he that's in the world. And the lies that have come against them and i pray strength for them i pray life into them in the name of jesus i thank you father for courage to rise up on the inside of them courage courage to say i walk by faith and not by sight in jesus name and to believe that God is bigger, 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 bigger than what they can see. I thank you, Father, that you see the beginning from the end. And Lord, in Jesus' name, we walk by faith and not by sight because we are going after that which you laid hold of us for. And we are not going to shrink back. We do not shrink back. We go forward in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everybody who believed that said, amen. Give God praise. Now, I want you to say this tonight out of your heart. I walk by faith and not by sight. I have an enemy, but he is defeated. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I serve a God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all, beyond all I could ask or think. According to the power of the Holy Ghost that lives in me, I am victorious. I am an overcomer, and I will run this race with courage, and I will be strong, and I will not back up, and when I do fall, I will rise again, and I thank you, Father, for your words you've given me. Lift your hands and close your eyes. Thank him right now for the words that he has given you thank the lord for the words that he has given you for the calling that is on your life in jesus name for the things that god has promised in jesus name father i thank you in jesus name the greater one the greater one the greater one i thank you father that thoughts in the mind right now are bound in jesus name fiery darts fiery darts i just feel like there's fiery darts that have been stuck into your mind in jesus name i pull them out I pull them out in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. No more, no more. They're poisonous, and they have no right to live in a God-fearing body. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Father. You are awesome, and you are marvelous in your works. And we magnify you and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. Go and be blessed. Hallelujah. And invite somebody to come with you on Easter Sunday. They'll be forever changed. Forever changed.